Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Special technique of shadow boxing. Yo, what's up? What's going on? What's good, everybody? That's right. We are checking in here on August 14th, 2022. This is the latest edition of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source. You can catch us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, of course, the YouTube channel. And uh, we will have uh, this particular podcast. Um, you know, of course, it's available on Multiple platforms, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Uh, it's, it's available on a bunch of those things, you know. Uh, so, uh, of course, you know, if you're, you know, not able to catch the live uh, podcast in its entirety, then you can check it, you know, of course, on those uh, streaming platforms. But uh, we have... Uh, few things that we're going to be talking about in this particular podcast. We want to, you know, take a look back at what happened with Teofimo Lopez as he fought Pedro Campa over in uh, Resorts World, Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're going to be, you know, taking a, you know, look at that. Uh, you know, we're going to be reviewing that. Uh, also, you know, we're going to look ahead to the Unified Heavyweight Championship bout the rematch between Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua. And we will also, you know, take a look into uh, the fight card with Adrian Broner and Omar Figueroa Jr. as uh, that is going to be um, held over in the uh, Hard Rock or Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino over in Hollywood, Florida. So we're, we're going to be, uh, you know, taking a look at that uh, in, you know, pretty much in detail, All right? Cool. So uh, we want to, you know, get into uh, what went down over in the Resorts World, uh, Las Vegas, uh, you know, was uh, pretty much uh, outside of the Resorts World, pretty much was like an outdoor type of arena in Resorts World with Teofimo Lopez versus Pedro Campa. Of course, Teofimo Lopez, the former unified lightweight champion. That's right. The former unified lightweight champion. Folks, we got to get it right. Unified, not undisputed. Unified, not undisputed. And yes, I, I will continue to mention that. Anyone that has an issue with that can take it up with the World Boxing Council. Okay. Now, um, you know, with that being said, uh, Teofimo Lopez, you know, uh, getting back in the ring, you know, after his uh, loss to George Cambosas Jr. last year. Um, and, you know, he uh, 
you know, had a couple of things that went down, you know, uh, in between these two fights, you know, against George Cambosos Jr. and then against Pedro Campa. Um, a number of it was, you know, kind of like uh, personal, uh, outside of the ring, not inside of the ring. Uh, you know, people kind of like know about those things that Teofimo Lopez is dealing with. Uh, but for him to, you know, get back in the ring, he was getting back in the ring at 140 pounds with this super lightweight division against Pedro Campa. And uh, this, you know, particular bout for him uh, was something that, you know, I guess was a pretty much a, a little bit of a showcase fight of sorts for him uh, to kind of like say, okay, first am I, you know, completely back, um, you know, am I uh, cleared of everything that has uh, went on or went down, uh, you know, over the course of uh, those, uh, what is it, about eight or nine months uh, in between the loss of George Cambosos Jr. to this particular bout. Uh, one of the things that uh, was a concern to some leading into this bout was that in the camp, uh, he didn't necessarily uh, have uh, that much of a time for sparring. Uh, so that was a concern to some. Uh, but uh looked like in, in this particular bout, really didn't matter much. Uh, Pedro Campa, even though Pedro Campa came in with a record of 34 wins, one loss, and one draw, uh, you know, he wasn't really that much of a match for Teofimo Lopez in this particular instance. Uh, you know, Teofimo Lopez was able to move in and out of the pocket, was much faster with his hands, um, was able to throw, you know, multiple combinations uh, over the course of the fight. Um, and, you know, eventually was able to score a knockdown uh, with a right hand followed with the left to send Pedro Campa uh, back and down to the canvas. Uh, but then, um, you know, in the seventh round, it was a series of punches uh, to Pedro Campa that forced referee Tony Weeks to stop about in the seventh round. And so Teofimo Lopez uh, gets on the winning column. Once again, his new record is 17 wins. Uh, with just that one loss. Um, and, you know, there are a few things that, you know, some people could say about this particular bout. Um, you know, at least, you know, for me, in one instance that, you know, Teofimo Lopez uh, feels like, you know, he is uh, comfortable being at that super lightweight division. Uh, of course, there was the mention of him immediately after his fight against Vasil Machenko that he was having issues making 135 pounds. Uh, so uh, I guess that was something that was a concern of sorts for his bout against George Cambosa Jr. But, you know, now he doesn't necessarily have to worry about, you know, getting down to 135 pounds. He uh, feels like he's comfortable, you know, there at super lightweight. Um, yeah, there were, you know, instances where, you know, he had those flashy moments, so to speak, uh, against Pedro Campa, able to, you know, land flush on Pedro Campa, uh, on a few occasions. Uh, but, you know, initially here, uh, with Pedro Campa, uh, Campa was able to take a number of those shots, uh, without being 
visibly stunned. Um, and it took until, I guess, you know, the fifth or sixth round for uh, Pedro Camper to really kind of, you know, kind of like show effects of the punches that um, Teofimo Lopez was throwing. So, you know, I, I, I'd say uh, we got to see what happens, uh, you know, later on down the line uh, here with Teofimo Lopez. Of course, Lopez had a lot to say uh, immediately after the fight. Uh, talking about, you know, there's these guys here at 140 pounds. You have, of course, the former, yes, I did say former, undisputed champion at 140 pounds there in Josh Taylor. Uh, you also have former world champion in Regis Progress, who is, you know, set to uh, go into about four, what is now the vacant WBC uh, title at 140 pounds. Uh, so you do have a significant bout there uh, with that uh, WBC with uh, Jose Zepeda and Regis Progress. Uh, you also have a fighter that was a former WBC champion uh, that could have faced Jose Zepeda in Jose Carlos Ramirez. That's also there at 140 pounds. And also there was a lightweight that was mentioned by the name of Ryan Garcia. Um, Ryan Garcia did have, yeah, he did have his last fight above 135 pounds. Uh, but, uh, you know, I kind of like feel like maybe Ryan Garcia could still do something or have fights at 135. But we know what the priority is for Ryan Garcia it, uh, at this point. Uh, but, you know, it remains to be seen if that particular fight can take place. So, you know, my thing is, is with um, Teofimo Lopez, uh, he did also say on the mic that, oh, I'm going to be back on Heisman night and I'm fighting again on Heisman night. Uh, and, and, you know, few, um, you know, few uh, reporters or, or, you know, uh, websites have penciled in that Teofimo Lopez is fighting next on December 10th. That is when the Heisman Trophy presentation is scheduled to take place is December 10th. Uh, and they, you know, they usually book Madison Square Garden uh, for uh, that particular Saturday. So uh, we'll see how that goes uh, there for Teofimo Lopez. Uh, if he's, you know, like I said, solidified there on December 10th uh, in Madison Square Garden. And, you know, depending on who he faces. Uh, you know, I I feel like uh, there is another uh, fighter out there uh, that is a very, very good contender in Arnold Barbosa Jr. that is currently undefeated at 27-0. and 0. That could be the guy that faces Teofimo Lopez at that particular date. Uh, so... You know, for me, I think it, um, I think that is the fight uh, that would be very good for Teofimo Lopez there at 140 pounds, uh, you know, to see where he's at as far as like a bona fide contender at 140 pounds. Uh, I guess you still have, you know, more things to sort out with Josh Taylor. Um, 
Uh, they're saying like, hey, maybe the thing with him relinquishing the IBF title is official because they had ordered uh, Josh Taylor to face Jeremiah Ponce, who is the top contender there in the IBF. Uh, but it was like announced through, you know, Joe Tessitore on ESPN, on the ESPN telecast that Josh Taylor is looking to face Jack Hatterall once again uh, for you know, the titles that will I guess he'll end up keeping. Uh, so the thing is, is like, I mean, hey, we got, you know, a few uh, things going down uh, when it comes to the 140-pound division. Uh, I did kind of like, um, you know, see a couple of things there in, in this bout with Teofimo Lopez and Pedro Campa. And one of the things was that you, you did see a number of supporters there for Teofimo Lopez. Um, you did, you know, hear the chance early, T.O., 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 um, that, you know, kind of like, I guess it kind of like boosted him up a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he does still have uh, his father there as, uh, you know, his head trainer, um, you know, in a number of conversations that I've, you know, been part of after the fight. They really don't feel like Teofimo Lopez Sr. should remain as his head trainer um i feel like it's a different type of relationship like in comparison to like a jack mosley the shane mosley uh you know angel garcia to you know a denny garcia uh kenny porter to a sean porter uh so on and so forth or uh what is it uh with lomachenko uh as well uh of course you know we had a thing there with uh those in the in the past too like you know mosley and all and uh course with the Mayweather at, at one particular point. So um I think that maybe Teofimo Lopez has you know reached his limit uh with his dad maybe and that you know he could probably do more things or be able to uh use more of his talent uh, while under another trainer. Uh that is uh, one thing that um was kind of like a uh, topic of sorts after this fight that Teofimo Lopez had, you know, here with uh, Pedro Campa. So, I mean, I, I feel like, hey, yeah, he can do a few things at the 140-pound division, but, you know, it remains to be seen how he deals with uh, guys that may not necessarily be right there in front of him like Pedro Campa was uh, or, you know, somebody that has a little bit of uh, pop uh, behind their punch. Because, yeah, even though, you know, Teofimo Lopez had his little moments where he was bobbing in and out, trying to, you know, shoulder roll and things like that, he was still getting caught uh, by Pedro Campa. And Pedro Campa, you know, is not, you know, as someone like sharp as a Josh Taylor, you know, on his A game, uh, Regis Prograce, or, you know, someone that's, you know, patient like a Jose Carlos Ramirez. Um, like, how would he react to, you know, some – a fighter like that, uh, who would be more patient, uh, who would have better defense, um, be able to counter uh, much better than Pedro Campo does. Uh, that is something that remains to be seen. Also, you know, I think that Arnold Barbosa is a fairly solid fighter. Like I said, he's undefeated, 27 and 0, I think it was. Um, like, he would be a really, really good test for Teofimo Lopez. If that ends up being the fight uh, for Heisman night, uh, over in Madison Square Garden there. But 
Uh, One other thing that, you know, I want to be on the lookout for. Yes, this was a main event, um, you know, here for uh, Teofimo Lopez to be featured on the top ranked card. Uh, Of course, it wasn't a uh, uh, large venue. Yeah, it was sold out, but it was like, what, 3,600 capacity uh, for that venue. Uh, So Madison Square Garden uh if it's like the actual garden or whatever it is um i don't know you know uh yeah i mean they, they're saying they're scheduled for madison square garden december 10th uh to see teofimo lopez is going to be in that particular um event but uh like i said it remains to be seen if he's going to be the headliner and if he is the headliner what would make it big enough for them to use the large arena there, you know? Um, so, you know, I would like to know how that would be able to sort itself out. Um, you also had in the uh, co-featured bout, Xander Zayas uh, going up against Elias Espadas. And, you know, uh, Elias Espadas uh, came in there with, uh, you know, 22 wins uh, and four losses. And Xander Zayas, of course, is one of the, you know, high-rising uh, prospects there, 13 and 0. Uh, coming into this bout, uh, you know, he was, you know, originally scheduled to uh, be part of a card a, a couple months earlier, uh, but, you know, ended up uh, being ill to the point where he was not able to, uh, you know, make that particular card. And, you know, of course, uh, that was notable because of him being, you know, on video, um, kind of like saying that he he wouldn't be able to make it. Uh, he was like, crying and, and and all that type of stuff. He was supposed to be part of the whole Puerto Rican uh, day week or Puerto Rican day uh, weekend. Um, there, what was it? Uh, over in Madison Square Garden. Um, of course, he had the Puerto Rican Day Parade the following, you know, the following day. Um, supposed to have Xander Zayas there, you know, alongside. Um, you know, the chosen one, Edgar Belanga, uh, but Xander Zayas wasn't able to be on there. And Edgar Belanga, you know, I guess, you know, had a performance that was disappointing to a number of uh, fans that was watching. Um, but now, you know, he was able to, you know, get back in the ring uh, there against Elias Espadas. And uh, he, you know, looked very, very sharp on offense uh, there for the short amount of time that he was you know, in the, uh, in the ring there, you know, um, you know, Espadas, uh, did, uh, taste the canvas in the first round, uh, you know, from a good punch there from, uh, Xander Zayas. Uh, but you know, it was more about him being more patient on offense, you know, seeing what was open, working the body early. Uh, but when he was working the body early, he was kind of going a little bit low, uh, there, and he was getting worn multiple times uh, by Russell Moore uh, in that particular instance. So um, he got to the point where it was like, hey, one more time, and I'm taking one point. And so what ended up happening was uh, he kind of like switched his offense up, uh, was going upstairs a lot more, throwing jabs and throwing hooks, uh, and not really, you know, trying to go to the inside unless if he was like very close and that, you know, he really didn't have, you know, much other way to, you know, get his offense off than to go to the body. Uh, but 
He was still, you know, able to, you know, break down a list of spiders and, you know, get it knocked down uh, there in round five. And, and Russell Moore ended up, you know, after the knockdown, didn't really give a count. He just talked about, he just said, man, this is enough, man. We, man. I don't want to be. I don't want to be here any longer, man. Let's let's just in this fight. Uh, so Russell Moore stopped about uh, in the fifth round. So uh, you had um, Xander Zayas uh, celebrating uh, there for for that victory. Um, you know he really wanted to kind of like showcase his skills uh, there. You know um, after not uh, making it in there in uh, June. Uh, so. Uh, for him, this is, you know, his uh, second win of the year. Um, he did say after the bout that he does want to work on his defense a little bit more because he was getting caught a number of times uh, there by Espadas, uh, not, you know, not keeping his hands up after, you know, using his offense. He's not, like, going in and then coming back and having his hand up, you know. When he's throwing a left jab, not having his hand up while he throws the right. Um so, you know, for me, I think that uh, Zayas is one of the more um, talented uh, young fighters out there. Uh, he is there at the 154-pound division, uh, 19 years old, um, you know, and they're kind of, you know, bring them along pretty well, you know. And hopefully they don't kind of like jump the gun uh, in a sense with them um, that – you know, with, with uh, him, you know, like I said, he was going to be uh, part of that uh, fight card uh, in Madison Square Garden, you know, where he would have been there with Edgar Berlanga. And, you know, with Edgar Berlanga, Edgar Berlanga had those string of first-round knockout victories. And then all of a sudden he gets matched up with a couple of guys that have, you know, a lot more experience that, you know, either – are coming to win or they're coming not to be taken out early. And so, you know, with that being said, you have to be able to do other things in order to set up shots to knock those guys down or knock them out or stop them. And Edgar Berlanga, I guess at that particular time, wasn't able to develop that. You know, so now we see that he's not really, I guess, you know, really that much in demand or something like that. It remains to be seen, you know, how how he's going to be uh, received for his next bout when his next bout comes up. Um, you know, for me, uh, with San Jose, we might, you know, get a little bit of a different reception there. Um, I think a few people that were in attendance for uh, this fight card and that seen uh, San Jose in there, you know, felt like uh, he was a um, very, very good uh, fighter. Uh, there in the ring and you know i was able to see him uh over in state farm arena when he faced dan carpency and he was able to you know slowly but methodically you know beat carpency in four rounds in that particular matchup and you know i, I feel like uh as long as they're able to develop him as a you know young fighter 19 years old not really you know rushing things he should be fine you know we don't really they don't really have to jump him into you no know, real big or, you know, tough fights at 154 pounds. Um, he's there at 19 years old, so he could eventually be there at 160 pounds. He's going to grow out of that frame to be there at 154. So 
Um, you could put him in there for a few more fights at 154. He does want to have that, um, quote unquote, get back next year uh, for Puerto Rican Day weekend. Um, he also, you know, wants to have uh, a fight over in Puerto Rico. So we're going to see how that's going to, you know, uh, turn out for him. I think that, you know, as long as they uh, match him up well with Carl Moretti or, you know, um, Todd DeBow or, you know, whoever uh, else uh, works with the matchmaking at top rank, uh, kind of like matches him up well, he could, you know, build himself up to be a fairly popular guy. You know, of course, you know, they were talking about on ESPN, okay, who's the next guy going to be uh, that's a Puerto Rican superstar? They thought it would have been Edgar Belanger. But the way that, you know, he ended up having those matches, those last couple matches, he's not being received for, uh, pretty well there in that case. So we got to see what happens here with Xander Zayas. Um, had the uh, guests jumping in here, uh, checking in from uh, the Tampa Bay area. This is uh, Brother Terrell in the building. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, JR? Just want to jump in for a little while while I'm feeling good. This won't last too long, but we'll just we'll see how long it lasts. Word, 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 no doubt, no doubt. And um, you know, I was talking about this thing here with the ESPN card, of course, headlined by Teofimo Lopez and Pedro Campin, and uh also talking about uh, the thing here with Xander Zayas, uh, you know, having this win over Elias Espadas. Uh so what what did you think about the uh, card in general? Well, I mean, it's it's just funny. It's it's just always good to get boxing back, right? It seems like a long time. I mean, we, we talk about boxing every day, whether it be on here or boxing Twitter or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. But it's always just good to have boxing on TV or just or having a good, a good weekend lined up. Even like next weekend, I'm looking so forward to next next weekend because there's so many events that will just shape the shape the, uh, shape boxing for the year and things like that. But back mm -hmm. to but back to this weekend, uh, it, was, it was it was a great card, and I, I definitely enjoy seeing uh, Mr. Zender. Uh, this guy is full of action. Uh, I mean, the, the one only, only thing I can even take away from him, he will need to shore up his defense as he moves up in competition. That's right. the only. I mean, but this guy, uh, he's 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 a, he's a great prospect at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, all action, all action. I mean, I mean. He definitely has to make himself of the of what could be the next Puerto Rican star, and that, and that's something that's always been a statement. Boxing back to Cotto, back to uh, so many others that are have that have helped from Puerto you Rico know. and raised that flag and things like that. So, so it's always good to have that. Because even with the Puerto Rican star, uh, something that we've always had with that, the Puerto Rican Mexican Mexican rivalry. So, in order to do that, you have to be great. So this guy is definitely a great prospect. And he's definitely on his way as long as he can just uh, continue to improve. And it's kind of funny. I heard you say Berlanga uh, prior to me jumping in. And that's some, someone that they, they kind of tapped to be the next Puerto Rican star. But uh, that's likely not the case with him at this point. Uh, just uh, kind of exposed to, to be kind of, in a sense, one-dimensional. And just in a sense, with his level of competition, his, his, his knockouts definitely hadn't followed up with him as his level of competitions go up. But with Xander, um, he fought a good, solid guy. I think, I think the guy was, what, 27-0 and 0, or 27-1 and 1 or whatever the guy was. Uh, so I, the guy had a, a good record, a solid record. So he went no, went no walkover, went no Dominican. But for Xander, uh, he definitely just faded a lot. But even even towards that fight, why the ref stopped that fight like that, I have no idea. 
I mean, we already know what was probably going to happen e in uh, eventually. Yeah. There, there, was, there was no reason for the Rips to stop that fight. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, before I, yeah, I was saying, like, once they had that knockdown, you know, there in the fifth round, you know, uh, Russell Murray was like, man, I'm out of here, man. I don't need to be here any longer. You ain't going to win. <laughs> he almost went there like he ain't going to win. He's like, bro, yo, you ain't going to win, man. So it's like, hey, <laughs> I don't know what to say on that, man. Um, yo, that, you know, that was, uh, you know, kind of crazy there on that instance, man. Um, so, you know, for me, um, you know, I kind of like think that this uh, is um, uh, something for uh, Xander to like kind of like develop himself, so to speak. Um uh, to like kind of like develop himself as like a uh, up and coming fighter, you know, um, and you know, like he was saying after the fight, he did say that he wanted to work on his defense. Um, if he you know becomes more active uh, in the ring, maybe he could develop that. Um, I've been in uh, conversations where it's like, you know, the more active that these fighters can be, the better that they could develop their skills and. It seems like these days you you don't necessarily see these guys that are young um, that have you know these records of like thirteen and 0, 8 and zero, five and zero, three and zero that build themselves up you know with more and more fights over the course of the year because it's almost like they're having to push to put themselves on TV. So if they're if they're getting these TV spots, yeah, they're gonna get they're gonna get paid by appearing on TV, but you're only gonna be able to fit yourself in the slots where they have these TV gates open. So yeah, you're getting there on TV, but you're only getting about two or three fights a year. And you've only just, you know, started the game pretty much like one or two years. A pro game, one or two years. So uh that's pretty uh tough on that. Um, uh, uh, we got like a new guest uh, on here, uh, jumping in the live conversation. Uh, brother Frank, uh, here. So it's boxing with Frank Bay, I think it is, uh, jumping on here with the boxing source. Uh, what's going on? Hey, what's up, source? Uh, nothing, just listening to you, uh, chat and uh, about Xander. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, I'm talking about you know, Xander Zayas is being you know, one of those uh, young guys that they have out there in top rank. Uh -huh. Um, they had a good number of guys that were featured on this particular card that, you know, are young guys there under the top ranked banner, you know, that they talk about, uh, you know, you have someone like a Xander Zayas, you have someone like a Troy, uh, Isley, who I also saw over in Atlanta last year. Uh, you had Duke Reagan that had a notable fight, uh, there against, uh, D'Angelo Quintus. Um, and, you know, you talk about, of course, the, uh, you know, the brothers there, uh, Keyshawn and Tyron Davis, or uh, you know, or who they have there, um, right, that, right. you know, that they try to develop, but uh -huh. it's like, hey, you're getting these guys and they're one and oh, two and oh, three and oh, but they're on the zone or they're on ESPN or something like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, well, like, did you see that guy Regan who was on the undercard? I missed that. I missed that. And that's the thing that I wanted to see, you know, because, you know, they said Reagan was really, really, uh, um, you know, struggling in a good number of those rounds, man. Mm -hmm. he, he he definitely had a a, a fight on his hands. Mm -hmm. so, but the only reason I mentioned him is just that's how you can distinguish 
if we're talking about Xander as a prospect, because Riggs a prospect too. So does Xander give you more answers than questions when you're mm. when you're when you're analyzing a prospect? Right. And the way I mean I had to look into his opponents a little bit more, but you know, the records that they have are fairly good, but it's like, hey, he's still able to you know, do his thing uh, against those guys. And yeah. the other thing with the other thing with like having these uh, young prospects on, on TV slots is, is that you can't necessarily have them there against guys that are like five and 12 or, you know, two and eight or something like that. that, that that's usually how they match up these fighters that are having their professional debuts or they're, you know, mm -hmm. A one and oh, two and oh, okay. Well, I against guys that you know. Well, let me ask you this then. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's let's do a comparison between Schofield and Xander because they would kind of be almost at the same level. Well, Schofield's a little be behind, but mm -hmm. you know, Schofield was a prospect. So when you watched him, did he give you more um answers than questions? Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is that you you kind of like see with Schofield at least for me, like I'm not seeing Schofield being featured out there anywhere near as much as Xander Zayas is, you know, but it's more of like what what would it take to like kind of like develop the fighters along the way, how, how that's going to work. Um, before I go on more about that, I wanted to add in another I guess here that, you know, did have a comment about Xander Zayas. Um, in a potential future fight, but I got here. YSM Sports Media checking in. What's going on, man? Hey, what's good? All good, bro. All good. Just uh, chatting it up with the Xander Zayas, man. What, what you got on? All right. Well, two things. Like first, um, I mentioned of Floyd Schofield. Floyd Schofield didn't sign on to Oscar till this fight. Floyd Schofield had been been moved by Rick Ross, so you saw him on a lot of club shows. You know, a bar ballroom. Ballroom boxing. Ballroom so boxing, I think, yeah. So it's plenty of prospects that started off in the Chitlin circuit. And, you know, for, for Mexicans, they got the Mexican circuit. For black fighters, they got the Chitlin circuit down south. Yeah. You know, when you're fighting, uh, you fighting guys, that's like two and seven, two and eight. And that that's where you're making your bones, where you're trying to get different styles. Whereas though Xander, Xander's already been dubbed. Like Xander doesn't have an uh, exceptional amateur background. Like he he didn't he he never was an open class amateur, but because uh, Puerto Puerto Rico is so star for a star, then that means you gotta like put the gas you know, by him. You like you gotta uh, put him out there, put him on TV, let Puerto mm -hmm. Rico know that you have a talented prospect coming up soon. So there's a difference to to being good and being marketed, and I feel like fans sometimes get that misconstrued that the prospect you're always hearing about isn't always the best prospect. It's just the one that they think they can sell. Yeah, they can sell or they can put it in front of you. Xander, I I'll say it again. When the time comes, I got Xander stopping Virgil. Xander's the goods. Like, Xander's the – he got some defensive things that he got to get right, but he's 19. Mm -hmm. As far as ability, the first thing I look for is footwork. Can you make the guy miss? Because we've seen tons of guys just walk forward. Oh, I'm bigger than you. I'm just going to overwhelm you with power and size. Nah, 
I saw him last night. He made the guy miss. Is he thinking with his shots that he's knocking guys out with or knocking them down with? I saw, you know, the little subtle adjustments to get the guy out of there. So power, size, somewhat of elusiveness, thinking. That's all I need to see. Hey, and overall development over time. Hey, hey guys, I have a quick question for you. Uh, there's a, a fighter that's been fighting, fighting on ESPN for the last couple of years, white kid, young white kid, right? Uh, pretty much fresh out of high school. Uh, he's on ESPN for like a good four or five fights. They were, and obviously they were trying to push him, right? And he had a fight against a, 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 a black guy last year where he lost, right? And he wasn't on ESPN. That was Vito Melnicki, right? Yep, there you go, there you go, there you go. Yeah, yeah it was like Vito Melnicki versus James Martin. That was bad matchmaking. Yeah, because 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 that kind of goes in the sense of what you guys are, what you're talking about. They are prospect trying to push him. How many fights does he get? How often will you see him? Things like that. And like I said, you can't put him on TV fighting against a guy with a, with a, a two and ten record. You can't do that. No one wants to see that. But when they, they put him in against that guy, that I forgot that guy's record, but it was a, it was a decent record. And what happened? He lost. He lost. No, I think it was like seven and six though, or something. That was horrible matchmaking because. Corey's better than Vito. Corey's a Philadelphia fighter who who actually fought Xander right before then, but that was in a bubble. And in the bubble, it was one of the guys that Xander couldn't stop. Xander beat him, but um, in in the bubble, uh, yeah, two, weeks, part, yeah. two weeks to take the fight, just everything's thrown off. Philadelphia gym's not open, so they're doing it in the garage. But Vito, nah, he fucked – like his management, that was – he beat the shit out of Vito. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, man, it wasn't like he was uh seven and six, he was like eight and two or whatever it was, you know, before yeah. that, you know. And he and the thing about it is is that they took that fight a couple months after you know he fought Xanazayas. So he'd been in the gym, you know, you know, with, with the trainer for the Zayas fight. But then, you know, he went through those, you know, he went through those rounds. And like you said, I mean, that was a full six rounds. And then they put him right back in there against Vito Melnicki. He's right back in the gym. He's he going to be fresh. So it's like, how you going to, you know, match him up with, you know, you know, something like that. And like, yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a, a, a bad style matchup with that one. But. You know, that kind of like goes into, you know, what we're saying about matching up these guys with certain opponents and either putting them on TV or not putting them on TV. You know, one one guy that, you know, I've had uh, uh, interviews with uh, here in the D.C. area and is a you know, young prospect here is, you know, Jalil Major Hackett. And he, his uh, thing is he had his debut uh, part of that, you know, Floyd Mayweather card, but that was like, you know, all TV or whatever it was. Then his next bout was against uh, somebody that was, you know, two and ten, you know, over in a, you know, a local uh, card, uh, Beltway Battles in uh, Washington D.C. And the other fights that he's had, yeah, they're part of uh, big cards or whatever it is, you know, uh, they were part of the cards for Gavante Tank Davis, but they're off TV, you know. So you weren't going to see him on TV, but you know, you're still, you know, part of the uh big events or things or something like that so if he you know kind of like gains a little bit of a following they do that off tv until they feel like he's ready to be on tv you know well, um jay speaking yeah. of that this this is a problem Vito, xander 
um, Jalil. They are all young turning pro. You have to be careful with putting these 18 and 19-year-old kids against men. Now, yeah, they men with bad records or, you know, a couple of losses, but they're still men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to you gotta really, really match those kids carefully within their, like, their first 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. Got to be careful. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they haven't really developed their, you know, strength or anything like that. They haven't, like, completely honed their skills as a professional in comparison to an amateur because, of course, you know, amateur, you're, you know, just in there trying to score points, you know, volume, precision, volume, instead of, like, working on things for power, movement, uh, you know, shifting defense, that type of thing. You know, headgear, no headgear, you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's something that, like, have that when you're, you know, 17 or 18 or 19, uh, having those particular fights and putting them in, you know, the spotlight or against guys that are, you know, much older than them. Like uh, one 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 um, fighter that I talk about or that has been talked about that developed himself while being very young as a professional is now the undisputed lightweight champion, Devin Haney. Like he went over there to Mexico, you know, while he was 15, 16 years old and had all those fights in Mexico to develop his skills as a pro. So once he started to, you know, get up in experiencing things like that or whatever it is, and he was able to handle that. Just like, you know, going up against George Cambosos in Australia, he was able to handle that, no problem, because he had already had all those years, you know, developing himself as a young professional fighter to get to this particular point. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because you hear criticism of certain guys because um, when fans don't understand the business of boxing, they'll be like, oh, this guy got 30 fights. How you don't got a world title yet? Or or how isn't he this yet or that yet? You have to understand that there's two different roads to go on. You could sign your life away early where you're giving up 33% to either a manager and a promotion, maybe, maybe even both. Or mm -hmm. you can, like you said, take the Mexico route. That's why you see guys like Canelo Alvarez, guys like um, Jaime Munguia, guys like Zerto with a lot of fights, 40-plus fights before they're 23, 24 years old, it's because they went the Mexico route. Then you got guys like Boots, guys like Wilder, that have a lot of fights before they even won a world title. What, 30-plus fights, right? Yeah, around that round, range like 21 and 22 to 23 fights. But, you know, they they going in that, like you said, the Chitlin circuit. You know, yeah, they, the circuit, so they, got the they, you know, in the South or maybe like 2,300. You know, or um, maybe they had like some in the armory or like I said, uh, with, um, you know, Major Hackett, Jaleel Major Hackett, they'll have some at the uh, Entertainment and Sports Arena in the D.C. area where yeah. they could build up those type of fights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have, have him get his experience off TV. Let him iron out the kinks. Let him let him see, you know, the, the bruiser. Let him see. Um, the Southpaw, the, you know, the the dude with the super awkward style. And yep. that's one of the things that Vito Melnicki didn't do. And he got cooked. Yeah, he got straight up cooked. Mm -hmm. Man, it was, yeah, that was horrible there. So, I mean, and, and you know, going back to the thing there with, um, you know, with Xander Zayas, like, I'll be interested to see what happens next for him. Um, yeah, he did say that he wanted to uh, be out there in Puerto Rico. Um, 
you know, probably before the end of the year. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, one thing I did see or I did notice that was uh, pretty interesting is that Peter Cohn was in his corner. Um, I was like, yo, where did it come from? Uh, so maybe Peter Khan could position him to, you know, have some other fights that are, you know, sooner rather than later. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of like something that, you know, I, I would like to see how uh, that relationship works out, you know, here in the near future. Uh, now that, you know, we got, you know, more guests in and I wanted to, you know, revisit the whole thing with the main event uh, there with uh, Teofimo Lopez and Pedro Campa and wanted to uh, get your thoughts on that. I'm going to start with uh, Frank first and YSM and Israel. So, Frank, if you have any thoughts on Teofimo Lopez against Pedro Campa and his uh, standing at the 140-pound division. Yeah, I mean, I thought he, he did what he, he was supposed to do. I mean, was the level opponent an amazing opponent? No, but, I mean, he – he looked good. Were there flaws? Yeah. Was Pedro, uh, uh, did he provide resistance? Yes. So um, I don't think it answered a lot of questions. I think there's still a lot of question marks for him, but the performance was good. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, uh, anything on it, uh, YSL? Oh. Uh... At, at 140, I ain't, I'm not going to say he's food at 140, but I left there. I left with more questions than answers. Mm. And how are you going to react when, you, like, your punches don't obliterate a guy? Because that's what the teal that we're used to at 35. You, right, you, yeah. you was a big 35. Um, you didn't work your jab. Your Philly shell, you don't really know how to use it. Um, you you sat and you waited for for uh for Kampa too much. Basically, all the flaws that were there before are still there. It's just that you were the big explosive guy at thirty five, and nobody could really capitalize on your mistakes physically. Now, are you you sure he beats Jack Catterall, Josh Taylor, Montana Love? Sabriel Matias, Antoine, uh, Barboso, um, who else? Uh, Zepeda, Jose Ramirez. Pro race. I can go. Pro race. I can. Uh, oh, oh, program. Are you sure? Like normally, when a um, a unified champ comes up with that much height, like you already, man, he'll beat this dude. He'll beat that dude. Look, I don't know. One forty is one of those divisions, man. I'm not sure he can beat Brandon Lee right now. Brandon Lee is uh, adding on to the card next weekend over at the Seminole Hard Rocking Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Just wanted to add that in real fast. Uh, Terrell, what, what you got on uh, Teofimo Lopez? Yeah, I'm just pretty much the same thing. Uh, uh, definitely after fight. As I always say, <coughs> excuse me. When a fighter moves up the weight, uh, I'll at least get a guy a chance to, to, to grow into the weight class. So, mm -hmm. I, so with that said, as much as I want to uh, uh, criticize for this, that, and the other, let, let, me, let, me, let him give a chance to work into, to grow into the weight. But more importantly, his mindset, his mental mindset, uh, even in, 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 when you look at some of uh, the pre-fight interviews, he's still going on and on about Cambozo, things like that. 
he wants to rematch him, and and the fact that he won't let the go with that state, he continues to maintain that he he won that fight, things like that. Uh, looks like his uh, personal life is kind of like isn't isn't this disorder. I'm not sure if you guys married or not or whatever, things like that. Uh, got his daddy posing on in front of the camera, things like that, like P Diddy. All up in the videos. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add one thing about Tio, if you don't mind. Um, one thing I noticed, though, and because the gentleman talks about the business of boxing, is that, you know, he brings a lot of eyes to the sport. I mean, YouTube was going on last night. So was Twitter. So Tio always has that going for him. As long as he stays relevant, he's going to bring a lot of eyes to the sport and a lot of attention. And he's already talking pay-per-view. Now, I'm not talking about his talent or what he offers, but he he's a big name and he will provide uh, good fights. Now, I mean, you know, up to a certain point, you know, of course, in the in the one hundred thirty five pound division, he was able to you know deliver uh, spectacular finishes uh, to a certain extent, and and the way that they had built him up, you know, for a couple of years, you know, before uh, he had the uh, first world title shot, uh, that you know he kind of like, you know, was a guy that uh, was uh, fairly spectacular to a cer certain extent. Uh, but when he did face, um, you know, Vasily Machenko, yeah, he did kind of like showcase a number of his skills, but also he showcased or you saw a number of his flaws too. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, we kind of like seeing that, you know, maybe uh, there were some vulnerabilities to him. And those vulnerabilities came to a head when he faced George Cambosis. And yeah, he wasn't at the top of his game for that. But, you know, if you're someone that is of a certain ability, that even if you have some type of an off game, like, like you know, or you're not starting off well, that you should be able to finish off someone like a George Cambosis if you feel like George Cambosis is not that good. So... So when he was able to score that knockdown against George Cambosis, was he able to finish him? No. Last round, was he able to like assert himself like he asserted himself against Vasil Machenko? No. So he ended up losing the bout. Um, and you know that that's something that we you got to see here while he's here in this super lightweight division. And you know, for me, when you're at a certain level at, at a division below. You have to be like at to, to a point where you're almost or at no question that you were the best fighter there at that particular division before you move up. And the thing about it was is that some people had some doubts at 135, particularly with this loss to George Cambosis. So for him to move up, that was more of like a necessity to him because he just felt like, hey, it's a struggle for me to make 135. But yeah, it's a struggle to make 135, but now that you're going up to 140, you're pretty much fresh at 140 against guys that have been there at 140 pounds for a good amount of time that, that are used to uh, getting down to 140 while you're just starting to like come down to 140. Yeah, it might be a, uh, less of a hassle for you, but you're going against guys with much more experience of getting down to that weight class. Um, uh, before I go more into that, I wanted to add in another uh, guest in here, the boxing academic is in the building. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, fellas? I'm driving, so let me know if my if my audio doesn't sound good. Hey, man. Hey, man. If you're in the, you're in the you're ATL, in the ATL um, um, as long as you don't have a team, you should be good. 
but you do have one couple of Yeah, actually, T-Mobile ain't too bad in Atlanta for me. When I had it, I, I don't, I don't have it anymore. But yeah, I yeah. switch sides. I switch sides. <laughs> what you got? What you got? Uh, so you guys were talking about the main event, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, Tiafimo is definitely a talented fighter, and no one can take that away from him. But people, when they say there's there are levels that you know they say that for a reason, and so when when I say levels, when when he is is leading and he's a front runner, and he's against someone that he's that he's supposed to beat, and you know he beats him to the punch, he's faster than him. Yes, everything is, is is going to happen how he wants it to happen, and he can get away with a lot of things, not setting up his shots. Um, you know, mostly they're not setting up his shots because he, he liked to do the the swinging, you know, kind of like bolo punches, and you know, I don't really see him setting up stuff with his jabs and and sort of using the jab as as defense to get out the way and just things like that. So when he fights a fighter that that he ain't supposed to beat or or could potentially give him some resistance, how will he fare? You know, how will he do when he has to do something more than just bulldoze a guy or just use his athleticism? How will he do? Like, will he use craft? Will he use a jab? Will the jab, you know, set up the right hand? And, you know, like the shot against Comey was a great shot, but it's Richard Comey. It's, it wasn't like Richard Comey better than Ndongo, but you know, he he he's a C plus fighter. So landing that big shot on him, that's great. But you know, what happened to that shot on um the the guy who beat him, the Aussie, um Cambosis. I don't know if he's from Australia, but it's Cambosis. What happened to that shot on Cambosis? What happens when you face resistance? How will you respond? Because you haven't had to work on the things that will bode well for you and, and give you an advantage, you know, even when you're facing guys that you know you can beat. Yeah, that's the thing about it is, is that, you know, um, like you were saying at Boxing Academic, the thing with Teofimo Lopez is that he, he kind of like uh, fell into the trap of like being a front runner. Uh, to a certain extent, with the majority of the fights that he's had. And, you know, I like I was bringing up the whole thing with Vasil Machenko. Yeah, Vasil Machenko, we did have a good start against Vasil Machenko, but then Lomachenko um, in the middle rounds kind of like made the adjustments, and you've seen that Teofimo Lopez was like stuck thinking a little bit. It wasn't, you know, uh, as assertive. It, it, it didn't take until the uh, last couple of rounds where he kind of like changed it up was assertive and, um, you know, just step, stepped it up uh, to where he almost, you know, I, I say he almost knocked down Vasilomachenko and almost could have taken out uh, Vasilomachenko in that particular fight. But, um, you know, with that, that kind of like was his pinnacle because it was like, you know, him and, and his father's trainer there, Teofimo Lopez Sr., they were all talking about, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to go ahead and we're going to fight Lomachenko. We're going to beat Lomachenko. And then we're going to be the guy that, you know, takes out the matrix and everything like that. And then once that happened, that was pretty much 
you know, the 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 pick for for him to a certain extent. So it's like, okay, I did what I said to do. What you know, they didn't think about okay, what's next? Shoot, I already did what I wanted to do. Like I shoot, I I, I don't care about. It almost seemed like he said, I don't care about anybody else. I was want to beat Lomachenko. So when you have that, like, t- that type of mindset, you don't have that same type of hunger anymore. So you're going up against a guy like a, a, a George Cambosis, and you feel like, hey, this is George Cambosis, man. Like who, like, who is this guy? It's George Cambosis. And to a certain extent, a number of people thought, hey, I mean, this is George Cambosis. Who is this guy? But George Cambosis said, hey, look, look, I'm coming in there. And I have full confidence that I feel like I can beat you. And when you have somebody like that, you kind of like are, you know, lollygagging around, BSing and all that. You you could you set yourself up for a trap. And what happened in the first round? Bop. He, he got caught. And he had to do catch up ever since then. And he really couldn't really do that because he was just headhunting the whole time, thinking that he was just talented enough with the talent that he had would be enough for him to beat George Cambosis. Not enough. Look, well, kind of to speak to that, what, you, what you're talking about right there. Right there. So, like I said, we, we know that uh, Tio beat Richard Comey. They moved on and, be, and beat uh, Loma at that point. And that point, uh, even then, after that fight, there was a little bit of talk to him moving up to 140. And the thing about it, so that next fight, he fought Cambosis, the mandatory. And boom, we already know what happened with, with that fight. And that point, that effectively canceled all the momentum of him moving up to 140 and uh, ha- having a big splash at that point. Uh, he got hospitalized. Uh, then just once again, just the fact that the denial of him actually uh, losing to Campos and things like that went back and forth, back and forth. And then we finally see him here at 140. And typically when we see a, a unified champion move up to a different weight class, there's a big splash. Now, once again, Till got the, the TKO last night. We know that. Was he impressive? No, he wasn't. And did he have that momentum? No, not at all. And kind of what, what the uh, Tim Bradley and, and Andre Ward were talking about, it's kind of rare when you have a fighter that's already made a big uh, – that already stepped himself at, one, at 135 or whatever weight class and then move up and they have to start, pretty much start his, his takeover once once over again. Because that momentum that he had, he lost that. He lost that. So my big concern for, for him at 140 – is mental, mental. Because, like I said, what, what happens when this guy to be in there with, with better fighters? He brings that same power, and they don't move. What does he do then? Because he still has the same boxing skills, which is uh, mid level at this point. He doesn't jab like we like we already talked about. So what what does he do then? Rely on that on, rely on that big right hand or something like that. But like said, what happens when they don't move? They don't fall down. So. Uh, so my my main thing for him uh, going to 140 is more mental at this point. So mm-hmm. need to be able to hold that together and be able to box those men around things like that. Because I said this, these guys 140 they've been there, they they've already been there. These yeah, guys, these guys probably walk around probably around at one 150 160 something like that, right? Whereas Tio is is learning to uh, get get more acclimated to that weight things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like this, for him, that success is more mental than anything. And he needs to humble himself down, in, in my opinion. Now, this was, uh, you know, one thing that we were talking about earlier when we you know, brought up uh, Xander Zayas. 
uh, is that, you know, he, you know, has those amount of fights in there, you know, kind of like bring them, you know, along fairly slowly, right? <laughs> Teofimo Lopez pretty much has like 19 professional fights. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you know, he had been featured on those Heisman nights, you know, for a couple of times, you know, before he had that uh, uh, vacant IBF or the IBF title fight, uh, you know, that he had. Um, and, and then after that, it was, you know, Vasil Machenko. So I'm like, here you are. It's like 16, 17 fights in, and you're fighting Vasil Machenko as a professional. So you didn't necessarily have the time to really develop or hone all of your skills as a professional because you didn't build up those, you know, those fights along the way. You had about a, like say about eight or nine fights or maybe, you know, maybe eight or nine fights. And then you're, I guess you're on TV now, you know? So it's like, I mean, maybe that's kind of like why he got caught against someone like George Cambosis because he didn't have those fights to like build himself up the whole no skills. Hey Frank, you can jump on here real quick. Oh yeah, no, I just I, I listen. Um, and that's something I look at is like the amount of fights. Um, I'm not, you know what? I'm just I try to take different takes, and I'm not a person who uh wants to burn the burn the house down, you know, uh, because a guy loses. People lose. It's boxing. And mm-hmm. I'm always going to give somebody that's been a champion like Tio the benefit of the doubt. I, I just it's just people want to trash his career already, and it's like he's he's young, he's he's had fights. Uh, who was the last guy that lost uh like that young? Uh, there was a guy named David Reed. You mm-hmm. know, he fought with 14 fights coming in. He lost, and, and he could never come back. But but he had reached a when, once you reach a certain pinnacle. Like Tio, once you're a champion, you're expected to fight champions. There's no more kind of working your way back. You're you're just yeah. gonna be thrown. You're gonna be thrown right in there, and and you're going against world class. Like yeah, yes, as, as limited as Campa was, he was still world class. So mm-hmm. I just hate trying to throw the throw the baby with the bathwater. Yep, but I mean that kind of like goes into uh, one uh, particular fighter that I will be talking about in detail later, and that is. Anthony Olofemi Joshua, uh, who pretty much has my last name type of amount uh, of fights. Uh, but before I go into that a little bit more, wanted to add in another guest here. Uh, thankful for him to jump on in here. Uh, his brother Clever in the building. What's going on, man? What's going on, Jay? What's going on, gentlemen? How y'all oh, doing man, this week? Doing great, man. Doing great. Thankful for you to come on here on this uh, particular podcast, man. So, so I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not just uh before i but look at a guy like isaac cruz or jojo diaz they're getting shots and they lost why are people so okay with that oh well isaac cruz let's throw him in with this guy this guy but with Tio, we're ready to just to trash him it makes no sense to me can i can i rebuttal something so so isaac cruz um has a certain style that we know Isaac comes for. He's going to throw a bunch of shots. He's going to throw hooks. And it is generally effective against a lot of styles. The one style that it, that it you know, like the Matador style, could mm-hmm. probably tame that style very well. Uh, but Isaac Cruz has a, uh, like a warrior's wheel. He He's pressuring. He's always like, 
never stopping. So with the tank fight, he never stopped trying to win. He didn't win, but he, he never stopped trying to win. With uh, Tio, for me, I, I'm not saying that, that he won't, you know, get another title, but I'm saying that the tendencies that I that I see from him are tendencies that that when he faces resistance, like even in the uh, Lomachenko fight, yes, he, he started off very well, but then toward the end of that fight, who was winning? Like he barely, he he won the fight, nevertheless, because he had banked so many rounds, but he did not have the momentum in that fight. He he lost his mental edge, and it looked like he was just trying to just 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 wait to the bell, survive in the sixes, yeah. get the bell out. And so there were are a few things to me that that would make me question his uh, mental fortitude in a sense so uh i mean that, that's look, look, yeah i know but yeah, i got I know, another, I got another ramirez, and ramirez and coaches okay okay ramirez was ramirez top of the game got beat by taylor he's Taylor. already getting another shot and people didn't trash him the way they're trashing teal and mm -hmm. teal has far more ability you know judge it's like we're so quick to just trash these world-class top of the cream of the crop taylor has a bad night oh we're ready he's not he's done it's like why are we so quick to just throw these guys to the side when they're obviously extremely talented i mean they're extremely talented but in, in that case with josh Taylor, man he got cooked all right clever you 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 could get back on here again um i think you got something that I, man I, man yo <laughs> if i wasn't on on this joint live i probably would have been on that stuff myself yeah oh, I'll, uh, I'll send you i'll send you a care package care package oh, that's so, hey i'm with yeah. it i'm with it i'm yes, with sir. it yeah i got you i got you um, it sounds like we're recapping um, last night, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Word. You know, I, I was on a, a brother's uh, channel a little bit earlier, and we're talking about it, so I guess I'll uh, regurgitate that as well. Um, I saw some things I liked, and then I saw some things I did like. Um, don't get it twisted, man. Young Tiafimo can fight, man. I I've always said that about him and his natural ability. Uh, he carries power, and his athleticism allows him to do what we uh, see of his young career thus far. However, uh, I've never been high on him. You know, when we always talk four Kings, I always kind of ranked him lastly because I just, uh, I see his flaws and I see when he's compared to those guys or even, Hey, hush, uh, even guys above him or uh, just mythical matchups, you know, it is, it, it's going to be really tough for him to win. And one that I saw last night, his defense, I do, I do not like the Philly shell. I feel like that's brand new. Um, I may have seen him maybe do that one other time. And frankly, if you're not doing that early on and being taught by that, you know, early on in your career, then it's a no-go. You can't just up and do that. So I didn't like that. And then as far as his, like, you know, what he's good at with his power uh, punch placement, he needs to set that up with the jab, man. And then he's fighting with his hands down. You know, you go up against, you know, hell, I'll throw Ryan Garcia. Dude, that guy knock you out, man. That guy will knock you out, like, clean, you know, with your hands being down like that. And then um, he was holding a lot, too, from the get-go. And, you know, people can say what they want. Compa sucks, man. That, I, I did some research on him last night. Sucks. Absolutely sucks. I, I almost want to say that 67 should be the other way around, 76 or even 86. He's he's He was the perfect, you know, he was a – uh, uh, ESPN product right there talking about T.O., a guy who's fighting what they set up for him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, um, he does have skills to fight the best in the elite. I just, you know, with those flaws that I see, at, no, man. You know, had that been Josh Taylor last night, Josh Taylor would be another guy to knock you out. Like, knock you out. Clean out. So, you know. You guys go. My dogs. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah, it's um, – yeah, that's something, man. I mean, you, you talk about the thing there with Pedro Campa. You know, like I said, I mean, he had that uh, lofty record of uh, – you know, 34 wins, but, you know, when you have uh, the majority of those wins being in Mexico, pretty much like your whole career, you're, you're, you're fighting in Mexico. You only had like uh, one or two fights uh, outside of Mexico, you know, up to this particular point of fighting Teofimo Lopez, then that, that kind of goes to show like what your level of competition is in comparison to a Teofimo Lopez. So, I mean, yeah, you, you. And then one more thing, Jay, like, you know, gosh, you know, it's clearly like when we hear him talk, you know, when he does interviews or even that that uh, small post that he did yesterday after he won, it's clearly obvious that he's still, you know, not over what he's over in the past and he's struggling with that. You know, that's that's a hard watch. And then whatever relationship he's got going on with his father, that's their business but I feel like he'll be more successful when he leaves him and gets with a guy who wants to coach him up rather than kind of be what his, his dad is doing. I don't even know what to call that anymore. Mm. It's just selfish, really. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, he'll be better after that because, like I said, to start this off, the dude can fight, man. I know he can fight. I'm watching him. But uh, this is a what have you done for me lately and who have you done that against lately type of business you know, and only select few get get chosen to get propped up. And then someone was saying something earlier that I also mentioned earlier on that other channel. Um, you see, he is already in that kind of stardom mode. He's in a bad position where he's a one-time champion, then he's a unified champion. So he does, in that way, get a leeway to be mentioned with, with, with the other champions and whatnot and how that kind of is judged. So mm-hmm. I'm sure this entire panel, we, we expect him to fight other champions. Um, Barbosa was, you know, looking at his chumps, man. He, he want that dude so bad that he's not going to get him, right? He's not going to get him. They're not going to feed him man, because Barbosa will beat him. Um, I really believe – I know Tio can beat him, but Barbosa will beat him right now with those deficiencies that I, that I just mentioned. So that's what I think about Tio, man. Um, as far as his future, we shall see. Uh, man, he was talking, right? He was talking a lot of stuff. He was talking so much stuff that, like, I just stopped listening and went on and did what I needed to do. But, yeah, I'll let you gentlemen have at it. Now, the thing with Barbosa, uh, I said immediately after the fight, you know, with um, Tiafimo Lopez talking about, hey, you want to fight again on Heisman night. Um, that's, like I said. This is that true, Jay? Like, or, like, you know, just when I say true, being talked about or even been talked, you know, was that previously I mean, spoken? talked about. Uh, it's been penciled in by by you know a few you know publications or whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's a prime time spot. It's something that, of course, he kind of like built his popularity from. So having that slot is uh, is a prime slot. Um, and I said, hey, maybe he could potentially fight Arnold Barbosa Jr. Uh, on that date. Uh, but you know, going into the thing here with with um, with Teofimo Lopez, um, for me, 
even with the the the, the feature that they had uh, there with Teofimo Lopez before the fight, I really don't think he's completely cleared of what happened. Like we're we're talking about someone in Teofimo Lopez that you know had you know has a relationship with his father, but over the course of time he had you know of course his personal relationship and and his uh, you know dealings with the the girl that he was with. And that, you know, he wanted to, you know, go full fledged, you know, with, with that, you know, woman, you know, marry and everything like that. And people advised, you know, him not to do it. And he went ahead and did it anyway. And then he goes through this whole thing. He gets to the top of the top, like I said, with Lomachenko. Then he ends up, you know, losing to George Cambosis. The whole thing with the, you know, with this relationship with this then wife falls apart. He has a kid. Now he's a single father and everything like that. So, it's a whole lot for a guy yeah. that's like you know 24 25 years old i think yeah. it's uh it's a case of when i've seen a lot of young prospects the most the most thing my suspicion why prospects lose and having known some is just burnout you look at these guys they're just in a sport at eight years old and they're constantly competing and competing and when i work with the kid i tell him hey take some time like you need a break from boxing uh don't obsess over it. Your your time will come. But I mean, Teal's been doing this for how long with his dad? It's just burnout. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Frank, were you gonna say something um, on the other end of uh, the To comments? Okay. Okay. What well, well, was the question? I, I was asking because I I think you were uh, you came off mute and I wanted to hear your thoughts on 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 Teal. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty echo. Somebody's echoing. It's probably me. Um, but it was pretty much, you know, to deficiencies, and and you know, you were you were kind of saying that uh, don't like throw them out type of thing. And then I responded, and I thought you was gonna give me a response to that. Yeah, I yeah, just mentioned just... names. You look at Carlos Ramirez, who just lost to Taylor. He's already gonna get another shot. Nobody's. He could take a couple fights. Isaac Cruz, these guys lose and they can come back on a, you know, undercard performances. But Tio, we already want to put him up there. He's jumping right back in the mix. And I'm just saying we can't just throw guys away because they lose. It's just such a uh, terrible thing to do in the sport of boxing because people are going to lose. Yeah, the thing with uh, Jose Ramirez, like he had his uh, undisputed title bout against Josh Taylor. He ended up you know, uh -huh. losing that. Uh, and then went right back at it uh, in March against Jose Pedraza. And he uh, didn't look good. Fresno, um, you know, had that decision win. So um, he, he was able to, you know, get back in the mix uh, there. He would have been fighting for, um, you know, I guess uh, for the uh, Pro vacant, vacant uh, mm -hmm. title. Uh, but he said, hey, man, I got a win coming up. I, I got to set this thing up. Yeah, you know what? That to me is a case of burnout. He's burnt out and he needs yeah. time to recuperate, come back. But but he's not going to have the hounds in the press that Teal does. But, you know, Teal brings it upon himself. So yeah, he needs to be, be able to handle that. Um, but I, I think he can. I, I just I like it'd be like me saying, oh, we need to throw uh, uh, somebody. I must be controversial like Roly Romero. Right. Um, I think he'd come back and beat people. Just because he lost doesn't mean he's not going to come back and get a big fight. We'll, we will see Roley again. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like, Roley, Roley, Roley is, um, like, we're, um, look at the thing with, um, woo, Blair the Flair, right? 
Cubs, you know, had his little undefeated streak going. Yeah. You know, he was talking. Good example, fight. bro. I'm glad you said and, that. Yeah. You know, and then he, what is he had his fight against Alexis Rocha. He ended up getting stopped. He was getting up and he was throwing <laughs> body shots. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Better. Yeah. Wait, Jim, who's better? Is, is Blair Cobbs better than Roley or is Roley better than Blair Cobbs? I'm That's trying, a hell of a fight, bro. That's a We're hell of a fight. I'm trying to be funny, dude. I'm just asking, like, who's better? They're equal, bro. Honestly, Ooh. to me. You know, it, I want to give it to Blair. You know what? Blair, Blair works his ass off, and I would just question though. if Roley does. You know, you Blair works his ass off, bro. You can't tell me he doesn't train his ass off. Yeah. Roley raised his stock to me, even in the knockout loss to Javante. Yeah, Davis. yeah. He did everybody. Like, everybody. He, um, I think he would be quite a few people based on. Thank you. Thank you. How he was throwing punches, the number of punches he was throwing, um. I don't think he would have won the fight even if it would have went longer and, and went to the decision because, you know, the tide was sort of turning. But I, the intangibles are there. Yes, he is. He's flawed, but his strengths mm -hmm. overcome a lot of other people's weaknesses like him, his big shots. And, you know, he, people, he got, hate people hate him. him. That's what's crazy. That's what's they crazy. think they, they hate Rolly Romero. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Wait, hold, hold, hold on by saying academic. You know what? I thought about something with, with Rolly Romero. And I hate to say this, but the way of his fighting style and the way that he talks a lot and the way that he's polarized in the boxing game, he could be like Adrian Broner to a certain extent. I, I, first off, uh, respect to both gentlemen, you too, Jay, but uh, boxing, I think I like what you said because I was thinking that a lot. I had similar thoughts like that early on with him and due respect. I mean, he's building his name off a loss right now to Javante. Like Javante literally made his name and it, it's off a loss. Now he's doing what he's always doing, talking and, and saying outworldly, outworldly shit. But um, I, I, I think, I actually him. think, I don't know. Um, I, I think most people will beat him who can actually box and fight. Um, let me just say fight. We know how to fight. They'll beat him. Um, I mean, shoot, I mean, Jackson Mourinho's, you know, should have got that win over him. You know? Uh, oh, that's right. They, they did. Yeah, but there was uh, a guy. Let me throw out a like name here. Said, like academic said, you know, um, he carries that power, which is a strength, and, and that's a weakness for other folks. And then and let, let me, me throw out a name. Like, Ricardo Mayorga. Oh, man, that guy's done. Um but no, but Roley could be one. He's he could come in and knock out your favorite fighter real quick. He's gonna step in. I, that's my prediction. I'm I'm just being controversial. That's fine. He's gonna yes, sir. Yes, sir. he's gonna yes, get a fight fair. with the name and cold cock him. And he gets to do that because he it's off the loss. But and then he'll take two loss. fights and get cold cock himself. But he's he's gonna beat some guys. Sure, but in that loss, uh, and then I'll shut up. Um, what I saw was you know him at his best. Competency and, and keeping a jab, and um, uh, he showed he could do that rather than kind of do that terrible amateur style where it's just no holds barred. You know, I'm just fuck trying to fuck you up. Uh, and then also it, it was like him him being like some Ricky Tiki Tavi shit, like just hopping around the Cobra until the Cobra decides to just whoosh, you know knock him. But yeah, we shall see. We shall see. I, I got some close buddies in the box community who are close to him, and they love him. 
they they only talk nothing highly but row. It's it's funny. <laughs> it's funny stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, the thing is, is that he, you know, kind of like is uh, a guy among like a, a um, you know, like I say with the Adrian Broner or a, um, like I say with Blair the Flair currently, uh, you know, win or lose, you know, the way that he kind of like promotes himself or gets himself out in the spotlight brings, you know, enough interest for people to see him, either to see him win or to see him lose or to see him get knocked out. You know, so, so you know, we see with that. Jay, the only difference with so I agree with you in that if you bring attention to yourself, whether positive or negative, mostly negative, people will want to see you fight again. But the difference currently, as we speak, the difference between him and Agent Broner is that I don't think many people are no longer saying. I think Adrian going to give it to us. I think Adrian going to push forward and give it to us this time. I think we understand that Adrian Broner is who he is. It's only a certain level that he'll get to. It's only a certain amount of punches he'll throw. If he doesn't beat you in speed and agility and everything else, and you throw more punches, chances are you're going to win the fight. And He ain't going to press it. He's not going to go through the fire that he did with Madonna because that was his best performance in the loss to me. I, had, I gained a lot of respect from him. But he has never went back to that place since that since that point. Roly Romero at least was trying to go to that place. Maybe he may not do that again since getting you know knocked out. But at the in that fight, he at least was trying to go to that place. It still remains to be seen, as uh, Clever said. But we know who Aiden Broner is. The 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 Bro. jury's still out Bro. on uh, what's his name. Real fast, academic. I want to piggyback off that. I always said that his career, we'd look at his career differently had he got a rematch with Madonna. I think if he gets that rematch, we are speaking about him in totally different fashion. When, or, you know, win, lose, or draw, because I think that was a major turning point before all this other stuff that we kind of know him as today. And also, with that being said, that's why I kind of got Omar Figueroa uh, winning the fight. Um, I think at this point in Old Boy's career, he deserves someone like Roly, someone easy. He needs someone really easy to, to get back on because I think uh, similar to the Tio situation, man, it's just, you know, a, a fighter is the fighter, right? He should be mm -hmm. concentrating on fighting, not on this, all this. Who is he? I mean, who need, who I mean, needs Roly? What was that? Which fighter needs Roly at this point? In I, know, I, was saying, I was saying AB, I use that. I was trying to be funny again, but like I said, AB needs someone easy, someone easier than Omar Figueroa. I think Omar Figueroa is going to throw too much and be in there trying to win. And But I do like that it's campaigning at 140. When I heard that a week ago, I was like, oh, shit, I, I know that. Um, and then someone told me he was also training with his father again. Uh, however, I still think he'll revert back to trying to admire his work and Omar is going to keep coming, man. So we shall see, man. Cause I like AB and what's funny is yeah. I bet you if this, I, I'm really being funny here again. I bet you if this fight was pay-per-view at like 50 bones, 60 bones, we'd still buy it. Adrian Broner is still a name. Yeah. You know, Adrian Broner, obviously he's not as accomplished as this guy, but Shane Mosley, cause you know, Shane Mosley had a third career where he just was a punching bag for a lot of guys. And if Broner wins this, he could kind of have a third career with just his skills. I mean, the guy's got skills and he can beat some people if they're not on their A game. Well, uh, well, going into, you know, the, that particular bout that's uh, coming up on Saturday, August 20th, uh, live on Showtime. Um, yeah, it's a cross, crossroad bout 
of sorts uh, there, you know, at uh, Hard Rock Live in Hollywood, Florida. Um, you know, I was looking at this thing I here like for the uh, venue, you know, trying to do like a dot count report of sorts. Uh, so we're going to see you about that. But speaking of uh, real quick before uh, I go through that dot count report, I want to bring in the dot count report king. That's right. He is the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club, Mr. MBO, Mr. Bat in the building. Who are all these jabronis on my boxing program? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, wait, real fast, MVO, you're the reason why I'm even on this panel, man. I saw your ass on this shit. And then, but, but I, I've been following Jay for a long time on YouTube. But uh, when I saw you on there about two weeks ago, I was like, man, I got to get on there one of these days. And here I am. And here you are. What'd it do? I just came to say what up. Um, Deontay Wilder's on his way back. I'm boycotting all boxing programs until the king gets back in the ring. That's all I'm waiting for. The great Deontay LaShawn Wilder, undisputed heavyweight champion. He will be back. It, it's already in motion. You saw that, JR. You saw that. It's in motion. It's in motion. Why are you laughing, JR? Come on. Oh, explain to, explain to the people. Hey, this is what I mean. A fucking hater. Why are you laughing, JR? Every time we have something going on, if there's any hint of Deontay LaShun Wilder being in the vicinity or anything is referenced to a fight or whatever it is, you got to come in as the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club and just mess up the flow of the show. I'm trying to keep things uniform. Listen, he's the only thing that brings every show ratings. I'm trying to help you out. He is the most must-see fighter in the history of boxing. Whew. No, you, no, you got to say what you said on the midweek report. You said that he is what? The greatest what? The greatest... American heavyweight of all time. And that includes Muhammad Ali. Yep. Heard that. MVO, <laughs> uh, so it, it's for sure going to be Robert Hellenius, right? He's the front runner. Okay. okay. Nothing's official yet. Right. You know, you never you know, know what could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, in between now and then, but we do know that Robert Hellenius is the front runner. And Words. what we might know is that Deontay Wilder may decide to go the WBA route instead of the WBC route so that he can become undisputed champion. Oh, beautiful. Now, we got to see what's up, what's going to be up in the next, you know, uh, few weeks. Uh, we know that there's a deadline of, uh, what is it, August 26th for a certain uh, person to say that it's official, that he's given up everything. Um, 
there was a report out that said that the Ring Magazine title has been vacated. So the fight next week uh, in uh, was it Jeddah is going to be for the vacant Ring Magazine Heavyweight Championship. Uh, so now we got to see if uh, Mr. Tyson Luke Fury wants to give up the WBC belt. Now, um, I know that, you know, signs were pointing to uh, Deontay Wilder versus Robert Hellenius October 15th at the Barclays Center. Robert Hellenius is ranked uh, pretty much number one in the WBA rankings uh, under the WBA regular champion, the super champion, the interim champion, or whatever champion they got. He's supposed to be the WBA gold champion. I don't know what the WBA doing. Okay. But Deontay Wilder is the number one ranked contender in the WBC, and Robert Hellenius is number 10 in the WBC. And, you know, it could, could be possible for the WBC to make that for what could eventually be the vacant WBC heavyweight championship. And yes, I did ask Mauricio Suleiman about that weeks before Tyson Fury was saying, Hey, I'm retiring, you know, so we got to see how that goes. You know what I mean? But uh, I guess, um, you know, once things get a little bit closer and once the formal announcement is made, uh, that Deontay Wilder will be back in the ring, then we'll see more of Mr. MVO on these podcasts because <laughs> he he was in a little bit of a depression with uh, Mr. Deontay Wilder not being active in the ring. Oh, man. I, I see you got the boxing academic on here real quick. Boxing mm-hmm. academic. Uh, last time we were on the show together, I asked you, can you please say something smart? You couldn't. This week. Can you say something smart about boxing? I'm going to ask you every time. I think he's currently. Hey, Matt, speak when you've spoken to. Don't, 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 uh, don't, don't try to uh, play me in front of other people. Damn. Damn. Uh, Shots fired. fired. Yeah, nah, nah, I, I love Matt. But is that Chef Terrell? Don't call me Terrell. Hey, I just I didn't watch that fight, so I can't comment on it right now. <laughs> I didn't watch the fight. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but Matt, uh we, we were talking about uh Adrian Broner and Figueroa. So I would like to get your thoughts on that fight. This is the this first, is the first step, step back, back for AB. AB. He will once again win a welterweight title. You heard it here first. Wow. So, Matt, Matt, do me a favor. Do me a favor, Matt. So, considering what's happening this weekend with Joshua Usyk, too, we know that we got your boy fighting in October, uh, Wilder with Hellenius. And I said, what? What remains to, to be played out with uh, Fury? What is your dream path for Wilder coming back in, in regards to uh, contending for and get actually getting in the ring to fight for the heavyweight title again? What's your dream path? Wilder versus Usyk for the Unified Championship. Wilder versus Joe Joyce for the WBC Championship, and then. Are returning Tyson Fury, Wilder versus 
Fury 4 for Undisputed and for Retribution. Joe Joyce. Um, That'd take a long time, though, man, because you had the fight against Selenius. Um, Usyk, eh, well, we got to see if he beats Joshua first. He, he's going to smoke Anthony Joshua. Uh, uh, I hope you're not wrong. I hope you better not be wrong on this. Because this would be even worse than you saying who's gonna smoke who's gonna smoke joshua i uh i i uh, went out for a second who will smoke joshua he says he says Usyk. he says Usyk. Oh, okay i mean that's a fair statement i mean we'll see um i mean he's he's been preparing you know, for the second uh, bout against Anthony Joshua, we've seen pictures of him with multiple fighters that he's been uh, training with, sparring with, uh, giving them different styles, different looks. Um, and we already know that he pretty much has had the uh, overall experience, uh, you know, from amateur to, to pro, um, that he kind of like uh, got in there, um, you know, like I said, been in the boxing game for a very long time. You know, uh, so, you know, with, with him in comparison to, like we said, with Anthony Joshua, Joshua is someone that, you know, did, didn't necessarily have much of an amateur career, got into the game fairly late, 17, 18 years old, went into the amateur game, went to the Olympics, got an Olympic gold medal. Some people feel like it was a controversial uh, result there, not as controversial as Lennox Lewis versus Riddick Bowe, but still controversial nonetheless. Um, and then, you know, pretty much got fast-tracked to the IBF uh, Heavyweight Championship against Charles Martin. And once you get to that peak and winning the world title, you pretty much have to fight world title contenders every single step of the way. And so, you know, we pretty much only had, I guess, the one bout against um, – but after Brazil, you know, we had another – he had another bout, and then it was, you know, Vladimir Klitschko. So – after defeating Latimer Klitschko, it was just pretty much top five, top six heavyweights from there. So we really didn't have much of a break up to this particular point. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see yeah, how this we'll goes. How it goes Can I ask you a question, James? Yo. Yo. So naming all those accolades, is that supposed to make him mentally tougher in the ring? Naming all those accolades? Is that is that supposed to do that for him? Um, um, I don't know. I don't Make him have more of an identity, commit to something, go with it. It it should, but the thing about it is he really didn't have that time to. Um, and I think it was that point when he faced and defeated Dylan White going into the bout against, um, you know, against Charles Martin. Uh, like, he really didn't have time to develop or hone his skills at that particular, you know, point because yeah, he had himself a decent scrap against Dylan White, but then he goes up against Charles Martin, and that was pretty much an easy bout. Uh, you know, to a certain extent, uh, Dominic Brazil didn't really, you know, give him 
uh, that much of a resistance uh, there. Um, you know, then he had his fight against Molina, not much resistance there. And then you go from, you know, three fights of not having that much resistance to uh, a guy in Latimer Klitschko that's, you know, the most experienced heavyweight that was out there available. A guy that was like waiting in the wings to have a Tyson Fury rematch. So it's like, okay, do I train for a Fury rematch? Oh, I'm going to have that rematch. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. But he's still like in and out of the ring. So it's like, yeah, now I've stepped up in, you know, in competition from Eric Molina to Latimer Klitschko. Like, that's a huge gap. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's like, so now that you, you get through that, you had the win, you're at the top, and now when you're at the top, everyone's after you. you you've unified two belts at that point. Now everyone's after you. Now you got to go after mandatory after mandatory after mandatory top 10 guys back to back to back to back where you can't really develop your skills like you were doing in those first, you know, five, six, ten fights of your professional career. Right, and that's the parallel I made with Teal earlier, if you remember. I was saying once a guy's has reached a certain level, he's going to have all these expectations. And that's yeah. another guy who keeps getting shot after shot is Joshua. You don't have to uh, lose. Gusto. <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing about it is, is that this is something that me, me and uh, MVO had talked about a while back when it came to Anthony Joshua is that, you know, once you have and you kind of, and you almost see it with Joe Joyce, but Joe Joyce is a little bit more developed. He's had an amateur career. He's had a semi-pro career, but you have those fights, you know, with Joshua versus Dylan White. And for Joe Joyce, he had to fight against Daniel Dubois. But you see there, like, still Joe Joyce is still having those fights that could, you know, kind of like semi put him in position until he has his fight here against Joseph Parker, where it's like, okay, we know that he can be there at that world title status, but we're not going to get him against those world champions there quite yet. Um, we're going to see how, you know, we kind of like does against these other guys, against former world champions and so on and so forth. So now with Anthony Joshua, this is kind of like a crossroads uh, bout for him at this particular point, because yes, he does have that lucrative deal with the zone that's after uh, this bout. Uh, but, you know, what, whatever happens here really kind of like controls how that deal works out for him. If he wins and he becomes, you know, three-time unified champion, okay, that you know that's great, that's super, that's cool. But if he loses, you know, like you like you were saying, Frank, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of like write off these guys when they have two or three professional losses, you know. And we were like watching boxing in the '80s and '90s, where guys with three, four, five, to up to you know ten losses were winning world heavyweight championships. So. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a contrast to what was happening in the '80s and '90s to now. Well, and at that point too, though, they could go to local club shows. They could go different places and get activity. Yeah, uh, they would even even have activity in between world championship yeah. bouts. So to me, it's the activity. Mm -hmm. Um. So a guy loses. Uh. Now he's gonna come back a year and a half later. It's like, oh, you're not ready for you're the not, world class. Yeah, and. and and the thing about it is, is that, you know, you know, regardless if it's Usyk that loses or if it's Joshua that loses, because they're such high profile fighters and they've mm -hmm. been featured that, 
once they lose, it's like, are they going to be back in the ring again this year? Probably not. You know, so and that's also next year. That's so also the business too, problem. because you'd have to be willing to take less money to go get some work. Versus I want my minimum and I want to come back and make what I made my last fight. Okay, well, you got to come in tough. We're not going to give you a, that minimum for tune-ups. Yeah. 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 I have a question for the panel. Do you think if Joshua fights a an adequate fight, like a, a generally competitive, but, but, he, but obviously he's going to lose the boxing match. Let's just say he fights a competitive sparring match. Do they take do they take that match away from Usyk and give it to Joshua? Do you think he matters more in terms of you know the business that that they'll take it away from Usyk if Joshua at least you know does moderately what? well? I think they try to take it from Bivol, so I think that's your answer. It's boxing, bro. <laughs> We've seen enough matches go the other way to know that's always a possibility. Some people from the uh, business. I, don't, I always get this confused. Who, whose uh, promotional banner is Usyk under, though? I, I know his manager, uh, the Ukrainian dude. Alex uh, like, Okay, so like, what network do they fight under? You really don't have one. Um, I see. He, he's you know just kind of like you know a guy that could bounce around, and that, and and to a certain extent, that's why. You know, I think NVO to a certain extent really would like to see Alexander Usyk kind of like come out of this because it would be easier to a certain extent to have a fight between Wilder and Usyk than it is for a fight between Wilder and Anthony Joshua from a network perspective. Because, sure, you know, you got guys like uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Y'all talk about uh, minimums. Anthony Joshua, if he wins his fight against Alexander Usyk, his value goes up once again. I mean, he's the top, pretty much like the top earner in, in the heavyweight division. And so now he, he would have that whole zone deal be much more lucrative now or, you know, with him being a, a unified champion once again. So it's like, okay, now we got to see, okay, if Wilder gets uh, who, whatever he called the WBC belt, uh, when he was holding it for about, you know, five or six years. If he gets that WBC belt once again, you're going to have a guy that's earning around 15, 18, 20 million dollars a fight and another guy that's earning about 25, 30 or 35 million dollars a fight. And is it going to be big enough to have this so-called joint pay-per-view that, you know, uh, what is it, Joe Markowski wants to talk about because he wants to talk about swapping fighters or whatever it is. But is it big enough to have a joint pay-per-view like a Wilder Fury 2 and 3? Well, well, from, from just listening to you, Jay, explain that, and then NVO, I've heard him always express those type of sentiments ever since I met him. Look, Wilder's the money guy. does not matter. Anthony fucked the bag up years ago. Him and Eddie Hearn doing all their – practicing in bad faith, you know, in business saying they're the A side and whatnot. And then yeah, Wilder, of course. <laughs> no, nah, shout out to the LDBC because nah, they're big bomb guys down there. So they'll tell the truth. But um, but anywho, Wilder is that guy. Like no one's calling out Anthony Joshua. Everyone's calling out Wilder. doesn't matter who. And um, when it does come to making those type of fights, you know, the methodology that you're talking about, 
yeah, Wilder's going to need the belt and it's going to be for the glory and, you know, the undisputed. So I, I see why he's saying that. I, I see that. I see that. But uh, I still want to see Joshua and Wilder go at it. All, all of them, man. And, you know, uh, to what Frank was saying yeah. with his examples. Oh, um, uh, yeah. You, you know, he got sped up. Oh, oh, well. And then truth be told, Joshua can fight. Ever since I met you guys, I've always said he gets off the canvas to beat people, whether in a rematch or get up the canvas and beat them right then and there. But turns out he just, you know, it's mental with him and coaching with him. So if he fixes those and uh, it's all in due time, he should be all right. Yeah, that's another example. Wilder, I, he lost so what? I want to see him. Yeah, I'll, and Joshua, I still want to see a fight. Why yeah, not? that's the thing about, you know, you saying, hey, you're not writing those guys off because, I mean, you know, Joshua got stopped by Andrew Ruiz. He, you know, he lost to Alexander Usyk. Uh, you know, Deontay Wilder got stopped twice by, uh, you know, Tyson Fury, even though one person on this panel feels like, you know, there was a, you know, a disloyal trainer and a crab in the bucket referee that contributed to what happened. Yeah. In the well, well, Wilder went through hell, man, through, through that whole trilogy, man. But there was a lot of shady stuff. And shout out to Jay uh, Sports over there, man. Some of that, some of that stuff that Wilder was saying, that's why, you know, that goes into play, why he can't even come back over here. So, why did, but if you, you know, love boxing, you, you want to see Oh, for Beyonce sure. I love again. it. That, that, you well, want to see him with, and you want to see Joshua get it on. But well, that I comes think with in, the package, though. That yeah, in their eyes, though, with losses, just the money won't be right for them. Um, with, with another loss or two, the money won't be right yeah. for them to fight. Um, well, it's still I'm a hell of a fight. Just, <laughs> yeah, but real, real fast there, Jay. Real, real fast. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll grant that, Frank. This is why I've been – Spencer Crawford's a really perfect example of it because I'm going to – since I've been keeping the bug on that, motherfuckers want to hate. And what I'm saying is, no, if you guys look at the math equation, the A side and B side and who brings the money to the table, they should get the chunk. Like there's no ands, there's no ifs, there's no buts, there's no debate. That's what a pay-per-view star is. Or no, super, I'm just talking about the losses. 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 I don't that that was all I was referring to about guys lose, but we still want to see the fights. As far as the business, it just would hurt the losses hurt the business side because if Anthony, Joshua, and Wilder were ever to meet up, the losses it won't be as big as it was going to be. But it's still again, uh, again, if, if, if they fight, just keep it a buck and, and do what the, I mean. That's what I would. Argue. If I I want my advisor manager speaking like that, so quick, and, and that's how PBC goes. Go ahead, Jay. You know what though. It would be easier. That fight would be easier to make if one or both of those guys lost. That would be the thing. I think it would be easier to make if one or both of those guys lost. If you have, like I said, if you have Joshua win and, and he becomes unified champion again and becomes very lucrative again, I think it's going to be very difficult to make. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, if he loses and he has three losses, and he has to build his way back up, then I, I feel like it would be easier for, for that fight to make there real quick. Um, going about, you know, it's almost like two hours in. Um, you know, I was going to, you know, touch on a little bit more on the thing with that uh, Broner-Figueroa card. Uh, but, you know, we might, you know, kind of like cut this thing a little bit short uh, here because I wanted to get, you know, uh, some insight from, you know, each of the people that we're able to jump on here in this uh, live conversation 
on you know the topics that we were you know able to get on. Uh, I know there there was something on the live chat about uh, some particular event that was scheduled to happen on Friday night, uh, but it ended up being the whole entire mess uh, with uh, you know Farmer yeah. versus Bay and all of that. But uh, maybe I'll you know jump on or talk about that uh, in the, at a later time there. But uh, wanted to get you know thoughts on um, you know you know the topics that we're talking about. Uh, I want to start with MDO first because I know absolutely what he would pretty much talk about. So I wanted to have MDO jump on first so he could get it out of the way. I don't know. Maybe he might be either at the store or what? So I'm what here. What, what we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my food came, man. For sure. For sure. <laughs> you got that you got that fork right you said fuck them sticks them chopsticks yeah man my food oh man. yeah 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 man like yo he said man bump them sticks man i'm throwing them jokers yeah give me a plastic fork goddamn asian restaurants you do know how to use them though right man yeah i throw them in the garbage <laughs> that's how we use them. garbage the garbage that's how we all use right them. man that's all what right, yo uh clever <laughs> go ahead man uncultured um, you're talking about Mickey, right? Mickey situation. Uh, that was one of the things that I was going to talk about the Tevin Farmer Mickey Bay uh, joint. Are you serious? Like, I didn't want. Oh to. my god, I got. I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about it. I just want to move forward, man. Jay, Jay, Jay. Who gives a fuck about Tevin Farmer or Mickey Bay? <laughs> Come on, man. Why are we wasting oxygen on them? Oh, All right, man. that's cool. That's cool. All that's right, cool. Steph, anything else? anything else? So, what were you saying to talk about, though, uh, Jay? What 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 you saying to talk about? Because I I don't understand. Right, right. right, I'm right, to right I'm no, as far as like anything to you know close out, as far as like Tiafimo Lopez or uh, Adrian Broner or Usyk Joshua too or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Um. Uh, uh, if I'm, if, if I, if I'm Oscar De La Hoya, I'm, pick, you know, I'm calling Bob Aaron to make that fight so I can embarrass Tia female, but that's what I got in that situation. I'm glad Joshua Usyk here is here for this coming week. It's about time we see some heavyweights go at it again. That's about it, man. I'm enjoying it. Enjoying it while I go. Ho hopefully, you know, Crawford gets to the 12th hour and decides to fight the other guy. Spence. We'll see. So you're saying Ryan Garcia beats uh, Tia Fimo. That's what you just said, right? Yeah, based yeah, off what based I saw last, last night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are I mean, there you have it from Clever, man. Uh, uh, going to uh, Boxing Academic. I, uh, I want to believe that Anthony Joshua will find an identity an identity that will allow him to to like dig deep, you know, to not have a silver spoon, to not have things always sort of go his way. And when he faces adversity, he sort of just allows that adversity to overtake him. I have to give him his credit when he fought um, 
Klitschko. He he faced adversity and he beat a, a man who who you know was was also ready to quit as well too. But had Klitschko had a little bit more, now that I see what I see from Joshua, I question if if Klitschko could have got past that last knockdown and then got through that round or whatever, then Klitschko still would have been doing well because Anthony Joshua would not have had win, and I don't think he would have pressed the issue based off that. This is all, you know, hypothetical. Joshua won. He pushed through. He he beat Klitschko, and, and you know, that showed his fortitude. But after that, Andy Ruiz, we saw his fortitude in that fight. Um, Joseph Parker, he just kind of like went through the motions in that fight. With um, Usyk, he, you know, like he, he didn't even, I'm not going to say he didn't try, but he was okay with, with just losing and didn't want to go to a place that he would have to have went to, which is be the bigger man because he knew he was at risk with how hard Usyk hit that he Usyk had the potential to hurt him. And so in this next fight, will Anthony Joshua be the bigger man? Will he be the man who, you know, can try to use some foot movement? Probably not. But um, but will he be the bigger man to press the issue to make Usyk be the smaller man? Will he go to that place? I, I just, based upon what I've seen him and how everything has gone his way, I just don't know. I do not know. If anybody has anything contrary to that, please tell me. You know what, academic, you know what, academic That's a really good point, man. Um, you know, here he is. He got the American trainer. I would have been more comfortable with him actually coming over here and training for this fight with that American trainer, no matter who it was. Uh, but, you know, listening to your whole thing, man, you know, I'm just going to try to be patient and watch his new change come about because, yeah, there's still questions going forward. But like I said earlier, like you said, if he decides to be the man, man, he'll get up off the canvas and beat that guy and knock him out. So I've seen him also do that. I've seen him do that before he kind of went through all this adversity of late. So uh, I'm with that. I like I drive what you said, Mike. I mean, we're going to see a lot of uh, questions being answered in, in that particular bout. You know, for me, you know, I kind of be patient, like, though. Uh, he just started working with Robert. <laughs> yeah. um, we got to see, how, see how, he's, how he is with, he is um, with um, you know, Garcia. You know, Garcia. No, but to me, was, that tells me. I'm, I'm sorry, Jay. I, I'm so sorry. No, I was. No, I was saying, saying, like, um, the thing with the thing with. Oh, real quick. Uh, the thing with um, Anthony Joshua when he was with Robin Crack, and I've seen this in in his uh, bouts against Andy Ruiz Jr. and against Alexander uh, Usyk is that you know to a certain extent, Robin Crack was more of like a cheerleader than anyone that you know made adjustments. Uh, during a fight, you know, uh, sometimes the uh, the thing on the trainer that makes them good or great is, you know, not like how they do when when their fighter is doing good all the time, but they you know, deal with adversity, like you know, boxing academic was saying, like what are the adjustments that you're going to teach your guy to make in order to adjust to you know being behind in the fight or being in trouble in the fight or anything like that and. You know, it was very evident in the uh, Usyk fight that you kind of like seeing uh, Rob McCracken in the corner be like, yo, that's great. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's great. 
instead of like actually showing like what he needs to do to make the adjustments in order to have the advantage and actually end up beating Alexander Usyk in that particular case. You really didn't see that, you know? And so Joshua was actually learning on the fly there against Alexander Usyk, who is a much more experienced fighter than he is. Now we got to see here with Robert Garcia, um, you know, there in, in his corner, how he's going to react to someone like Alexander Usyk, who might or might not have a different type of approach to Anthony Joshua here in the rematch that's uh, going to be coming up on August 20th. That'll be 12 p.m. Eastern time, and it'll be shown uh, live on the zone. Wanted to, you know, get to uh, Frank here real quick, and then Terrell. Yeah, Terrell can, can, I, can I say something in response to that? This is my last. I'm going to stop being talkative. This is my last thing, Jay. <laughs> so, Robert Garcia, to me, and again, Anthony Joshua is is faceless. He's he's an identity he identityless. He has no. He is lacking a true identity. Him getting Robert Garcia to me is a ploy to have a trainer teach him a more aggressive style, so he can on the front end plan A, go out, uh, express his dominance, and win a fight off of that. We all know that's not gonna happen. We all know he gonna fight a guy who's going to box him, who's going to beat him in the boxing match, who's going to punch hard enough to where he keeps him on because Anthony Joshua is chinny. From there, no disrespect to Robert Garcia, but Robert Garcia ain't going to be able to give him instruction the same way he wasn't able to give Mikey instruction when he fought um, Errol Spence. Like, okay, to his defense, it, it, it ain't much instruction you can give to fight Errol Spence, but he ain't going to be able to give him instruction to say, you know, try this, do that. It, it's it's going to, he going to all but be a cheerleader too, because once that plan A stop working or he gets tired, the only thing he going to say is keep pressing, man, keep pushing. You can do this. You got it. I'm dumb. No more talking. He, he, he should, he should boxing academic. He should pay him less for that then, you know, cause that's, and then also just listen to you, man. Hey man, you got Anthony losing, man. <laughs> You got to lose him, Anthony <laughs> has to go to a place to where he's willing to get knocked out. To where he's willing to knock him out to get knocked out. Because he does not win a boxing match. He does not win over 12 rounds because he has poor win. He does not have better win than Usyk. How else can he win the fight other than pressing him and hurting him early? He ain't going to win no, a boxing match. No. There could be another way to do it, but is he willing to be patient enough to do it and have the, I guess, the wherewithal to do it? Pressing the action is one method. The other method is biting down on your mouthpiece, taking a punch to give a punch. Because if you know that you're, you're more powerful than he is, you got to be able to wait to take a punch in order to set up a shot and trap him. But that remains to be seen. All right, Frank. Then Terrell. Okay. Uh, I was just thinking as you guys were speaking, um, just some parallels. T.O. and A.J., you know, guys that shot up really fast. Um, they lose and we want to call them frauds. Uh, and that's something I was, you know, I'm always going to talk Frank about. We can't just, that, man. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, look, if Joshua comes back, which I think the best thing for boxing is a Joshua win, which sets up the biggest fight in probably the beginning of the century. Uh, so if you're a boxing fan, you want Joshua. Uh, that's my opinion, but um, 
you know, with Joshua, yeah, if he wins, then he wasn't a fraud. I mean, guys lose. We 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 spend a lot of time talking about guys who are just not gonna fight and aren't gonna fight, and, and so they got the zero. Wow, congratulations. So yeah, that's why I want to see Ryan take on Teofimo Lopez. I think that's a huge, uh, mega fight, and just like a Joshua a Fury will be a major mega fight. And as a boxing fan, that's what I want to see. I don't care if the guy has it. Oh, I don't care about the other stuff. Um, I mean, I, I know the business is always going to be something. But as a boxing fan, you know, I just want to see the fights. So that's my take on the, the situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I mean uh, from a business standpoint, you know, you do want to see Joshua uh, kind of like getting getting the win here. Um, you know, like we were talking about with Alexander Usyk uh, being there under, uh, what is it, uh, Krasniak and uh, Igis Klamis, I think it is, if we, you know, with there the Ramona. Uh, that, you know, they don't necessarily have a, you know, any type of network or anything, you know, in, in their country, outside of their country that, you know, has them be a major draw, you know. So now it's like, hey, we got to see if Anthony Joshua comes out of this bout, gets the win, um, you know, kind of like, you know, boosts up the heavyweight division from a, from a, a financial perspective and, Kind of like gets things uh, going back up, uh, you know, when it comes to the heavyweight division well, once again, because, you know, you're going to have, you know, Deontay Wilder, you know, running things in the American side. But outside of America, who's going to be that guy? And right now, I mean, if it's not Anthony Joshua, you really can't, you know, say much else because Tyson Fury, even though he, you know, is undefeated, he defeated Wilder twice. He's not moving the needle. Just just being straight up. He's not moving the needle. He's a clown so, show, Jay. Yeah, so so that's the thing about it. it it's like if, if you don't have – I mean, shoot, that's why some people are claiming that Tyson Fury, you know, having his retirement is, you know, looking like a bunch of hot air because he's waiting to see what's happening or what's going to happen with this Usa-Joshua rematch. So Yeah, Joshua and, and if I could just add on to that, that's one thing about Tio and Ryan Garcia, you can think what you want about them, but their names in the 140-pound division is is making it a hot division. So all these guys like Progress, Ramirez, that's their biggest payday. It's not each other. You know, Tio wins, Garcia wins. That's the biggest, that's the money guy. So, you know, they need those names in their division before they can make money. And that's something there as far as like uh, with Tio and Ryan. I mean, you know, before... Theo had his fight uh, last night and, and Oscar De La Hoya being there. Um, and I guess, you know, a couple of days before, whatever it is, when people started to talk about it, like I really didn't expect uh, that to be a fight that would have been talked about. Uh, but, you know, for both of those guys, it could really catapult, you know, one of those two guys if they're able to get a win uh, there, particularly if they're able to stop, um, you know, one of those guys. That's going to be uh, something there to kind of like look out for. Um, then I go with our brother as well, and then we're going to close it out here. Yeah, I'll be brief here. Uh, so in regards to the heavyweight division, we know, like, so we got Usyk, uh, uh, Usyk Joshua next week. And with Fury, there's no way in the world I believe this guy's retired. And like you said, Jay, he is at this point just sitting back, waiting to see who's going to win, to see what possible matchup he can generate in that point. Because uh, how do you go from, like, um, Proposing to fight with Dillian White again, which is just just rhetoric and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden you just want to retire. To me, that was just him by wanting to make noise, 
because uh, he's been left out from the Edward platform. So he's just making he's noise. He's weak-minded. Yeah, he just <laughs> just want to make noise and, and entertain people and things like that. Uh, with that said, just, uh, he's just simply waiting back to see who's going to win to see what he can do, to see what possible matchup he can generate. And like you guys said, the best favorable matchup is for Joshua to win. That's where it, and that, that generates a, a possible matchup with Fury uh, back home in 0-2 or something like that, whatever, things like that. Uh, whereas uh, if, if Usyk wins, it just uh, it doesn't it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't, but regardless of who he fights and stuff like that. So uh, what I said is best for Joshua to win, like you guys said. But at the same time, uh, it's crazy. One thing I would say when when a guy has time to to, to uh, grow up in a division like Usyk has, I mean, as much as much as people want to see Joshua win. I don't see it because Usyk has had time to uh, grow up in the division, and I can't wait until Friday for weigh-in because I've heard that Usyk has gained a significant amount of weight while being able to, being able to maintain his footwork, things like that. So I can't wait to see what the, the weigh-in is and see what he comes in at. So there we go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just when, when you said that, it reminded me of something. If Usyk wins is when, uh, like when Bernard beat Tito Trinidad. That's what it would be like. Because Bernard killed the Roy Jones Tito Trinidad fight, they were gonna do it at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, the thing about Alexander Usyk, um, you know, he kind of like entered the heavyweight division around you know under 220 pounds. Um, and in his first fight against Anthony Joshua, he was just about a shade over 220 pounds. Um, and you know, with uh, couple of pictures and things like that he's kind of like looking a little bit above 230. um if he goes into the weighing at like 235 or something like that and still has the movement that that's going to be something for anthony joshua there and you know from and from the first fight my thing from a basic standpoint is with anthony joshua was that he's facing a southpaw and one thing you can't do while facing the southpaw, especially if he's quicker than you, is having his lead foot be outside of your foot. Because not only is he first to punch with his right jab, but he can do a right jab left and then get out of the way. And you can't do nothing to smother him. You can't do nothing to really counter him or anything like that. So he's going to have to learn how to make that initial adjustment, one. And then two, I say hey, you're going to have to bite down on your gum shield because you 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 kind of like built yourself to be a good counterpuncher. Let's see how good uh, of a counterpuncher you are if you're able to say, hey, we could figure out what Usyk's going to do and then catch him because being aggressive against someone like Alexander Usyk off the rip, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's going to gonna be his best method. I really don't think he could um, fully cut off the ring against someone like Alexander Usyk. It's going to have to be something where. But Jay, you said it earlier. You, you know, it's, I'm not saying you're contradicting yourself, but like you said earlier, like he's going to have to be patient. And I said right. that earlier with my statements earlier with him too, where like, you know, he here he is working with Robert Garcia. So I'm just going to have to be patient with what they're trying to implement. But like mm -hmm. you just said now, yeah, he can't just go in there and rip it. He's going to, you know what I like what you said, he's going to have to be patient and then bite down because that's what's going to take 
he's going to have to counter Usyk because Usyk's, he's never, Usyk's never going to be in one spot. And shout out to Frank uh, with Bernard. I've been watching probably for the last three nights. I've been watching a lot of Bernard Hopkins uh, fights on his own. What do you know? And then I'm yeah, watching he ruined the, uh, the mega fight of the of the decade. But that Tito yeah. Trinidad, Roy Jones, and Yankee Stadium would have been. I thought he also know. beat Jermaine Taylor, and, and T- Jermaine Taylor won as well. Uh, I'm on that yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I am watching. Usyk, uh, Joshua won right now. I'm in the mid rounds. Jo- Joshua, Joshua can do. He can do. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, um, so you guys said that he has to be patient. Is Robert Garcia the type of style that teaches his fighters to be patient, or are you saying be patient and counter? So you pretty much letting somebody throw a bunch of shots at you, and then you just land that 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 you know, as Joshua says, shot from the gods, and and that's your version of patience. <laughs> I would argue his best thing, which I don't know if he has the ability to do it, but Joshua's taller, right? He has he has an arm length advantage. I think Joshua has to be patient in the sense of fighting off his back foot, jabbing, 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 Mason making Usyk come to him, and and you know instead of him going to Usyk and Usyk counter him, hitting him with shots and doing all other stuff. Joshua has to be the one moving backwards, make Usyk come to him, make Usyk run into some shots. Is Joshua's feet good enough to do that? Probably not, but um, hopefully they are. You know what? You know what? That's good, too. That's good, too. I want to watch the rematch between Usyk and Usyk. Yeah, that's good. That's good. To a certain extent, he was a little bit aggressive with, with throwing the jab, but he was also stationary. Um, I want to see if he was able to throw that jab while backing up as well, because yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to use that reach advantage. He can't like I I just don't feel like he has actually. To... Well, Jay Jay Jay, real fast, he he knew Andy was uh, also too weak in the chin, and he had put him down twice before, so he wasn't. That's why he stood his ground. That's why he stood his ground right there. Yeah, so. So my thing is, is that I, I think that he has to kind of like be either stationary throwing the left jab or throwing it with his, with his, uh, you know, kind of like backing up, because I really don't think that you know trying to be you know coming forward or aggressive could really work, because not only um, what was it that uh, first fight that he had uh, with Joshua, but there was like you know other fights that he had at cruiserweight. Where they kind of like show clips of him, you know, moving, moving away from, moving away from his opponents. Like he'll, you know, throw a right jab and move away, or he'll kind of like crowd and then turn. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he learned those things over the course of his amateur, semi-pro, professional career. That says, hey, I'm not going to put myself in a position to like kind of be in that much trouble. And like to me. Like in the heavyweight division, Chizora was the only one that kind of like, you know, made Usyk be uncomfortable to a certain extent. But Chizora is like, he's like a weird fighter in the sense that he could, you know, pretty much get at you in different ways, or he could try to set up shots, or at least in, the, in his, you know, current point for his career, all he's doing is trying to bait his opponent and try to hit him with a, you know, a maker, but. We'll see how Joshua kind of like approaches this uh, fight early. You're cooking, Jay. You're cooking, man. But I'm not saying you're here. I go saying you're contradictory, but you're not because you're saying good points on both guys. Um, One thing I want to say about Usyk, though, look, 
I, so they laughed me out in the space when I said this the first time. Look, Usyk's always been a heavyweight. He's always cut weight to come down to, to cruise away and, and below if need be. So I don't really make too big of a deal about him putting on weight and stuff. I, I just think he's gifted there from, from uh, the father there. He moved that well for a big man. And then I love what you just said at the end there where, you know, he was he was developing o- over time here and he figured out a style to where, like, I'm just going to hit and not be getting hit. You know, that that's his style. So in contrast to that, you have to make Usyk fight. So I'm going to come back to what you said, Jay, just moments ago. I like the idea of, um, of, of Joshua boxing on the back foot. He's going to have to uh, counter him and, and truthfully make him fight. You're going to have to make Usyk fight you because Usyk other, well, otherwise is just comfortable. And then yeah. also, um, uh, no, I'm surprised no one said this. I haven't heard this you know, in a while now. Joshua's conditioning, man. That cardio. Like, I know he can do it, but like, I think he gets, I think he overexerts himself with that pressure that's not, that's ineffective. So just, I'm also watching for that. And then also, academic, uh, when I think about it, you know, your example, your, your last comments, I think he just brought in uh, a, a new voice that he's comfortable with, cheerleading him on in that aspect. Because you're right, uh, his style is a little, uh, as far as teaching is different than what we've all been saying. But I think that I think overall, whatever they want to implement is there, but uh, he's going to have to make them uncomfortable and make them fight pretty much. And then um, just to cheerlead them on a new voice. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to see how that that's going to turn out, man. And um, it, it's going to be something, uh, you know, my plan is uh, next weekend I'll be, you know, out there for, um, you know, the Hard Rock or the Seminole Hard Rock uh, thing for uh, Broner Figueroa. But, you know, that afternoon I'm going to be tuning in uh, for this uh, particular bout between Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua and seeing what happens there. And then after that, like I said, Broner Figueroa, and uh, we'll, we'll get right back at it, uh, you know, next week to talk about, you know, the results of those fights uh, there. So, uh, I want to thank everyone that's, uh, that took the time to be here on the uh, live podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone on here. Frank Terrell, Emmett, Clever, MBO, YSM. I was able to jump on in here for a little bit. Um, you know, like I said, we get right back at it. Um, this time I'm trying to, you know, make it on for Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And, you know, like I say, okay. at the end of every show, folks, point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to stand in trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, guys.